Hello, America. It's a uh, podcast time and a good one today. We talk about the polls. We actually, we actually also, um, I mean, I'm, well, I was going to say I'm not a doctor, but I am a doctor. Right, Stu? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm humanities. A yeah, so I can diagnose anything with the human uh, condition <laughs> at all. Um, I'm going to be doing podiatry later this week. Just stop by my office if you need some foot things. Uh, anyway. Foot things? <laughs> Kamala Harris. There's something deeply disturbing about her. There is something. Yes. She's got a, a nervous tick that we need to address. And we did in today's podcast. We also went over the polls uh, six ways to Sunday. Selena Zito is with us. Uh, Selena is really focused on Ohio and Pennsylvania, and I thought she had some really good news uh, for us. All this and so much more on today's podcast. Don't forget to go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You get 30 bucks off your subscription that lasts only until election day. So 30 bucks off. The promo code is Glenn. blazetv.com slash Glenn. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Let me give you some good news. With 1,294,660 ballots cast, the GOP leads the early vote in Wisconsin. 42% GOP to 36% Democrat. About 46% of the estimated total votes of 2020 have been cast. In Wisconsin, you can register and vote the same day. Still a close race. Over the last few days, Republicans have stormed the polls and are beginning to take the lead in early voting in several states. Um, this, is, this data is derived from actual ballots cast. The sample size larger than any poll. Um, they say it's very accurate in determining the voter uh, preference. The data does not account for specific demographics or, sen- uh, uh, or uh, segments of the electorate that still have to vote. So that is that is good. They say what's worrisome for Democrats is the absence of youth voters. This is something that they always get wrong in the polls. Democrats are always expecting the youth to show up, the 18 to 29 year olds. They don't usually show up. The only time it's ever happened is with uh, Barack Obama. Voting is now up 309% from this time in 2016 than 2016. The raw numbers show the youth vote up in 2020 as a percentage of the electorate. uh, 18 to 29 year olds cast only 5% of the total vote in 2016. They were 17% of the vote. The data suggests young people are not showing up at the same rate as they have in even 2016. Good. So, yes, this is good. a this is a good. Uh, what happened in was it North Carolina or South Carolina? There's the, the Republicans are 10 points behind. Pat, I think you were saying that. What was that number? Yeah, uh, he's he. The, yeah, the Republicans are 10 percent behind. Uh, and at the same stage in the 2016 election, Hillary was up by 13.5 percent. And wait, was and, that? And Trump still won. And it was at South Carolina, North Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean, it's like, you know, we mentioned this off the air, but uh, in Pennsylvania, it's 64 to 25 Biden. 
Now, again, when we say Biden, we're summarizing here. It's just party registration. All these Democrats could be voting for Donald Trump. We don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when it comes to party registration, it's 64, mm-hmm. 25. And That's big. voting as compared to 2016 is up 955%. Wow. Now, a lot. this wow. is what's so weird about this election. It's like the COVID changes all these rules like I, I don't know what you can take out of this honestly I, I really don't know what to read into it states right next to each other with the same demographic breakdowns have completely different results mm-hmm. like I don't know what quirky thing is going on with the data or if it's just everyone is very indecisive <laughs> well who knows but it, it's it's hard to read things out of early vote if you go crazy with it you you'll get really excited or really depressed and you may may, may very well be for no reason but so far, we are seeing massive numbers, I mean, way beyond anything we've ever seen. So over 60 million people have already voted. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about, you know, they expect about 155, 155 million here for the total. Might be the most, uh, the biggest turnout percentage wise since 1908. Did, 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 did you hear? Feels right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you yeah. hear that uh, some Democrats now are asking for their ballots back? Yeah. After the uh, the Hunter Biden, yeah, and especially they're, they're allowing those people to go back in and yeah, get their it's, ballots. It's legal in seven states, and Pennsylvania is one of them. Michigan's another. So there are some swing states that you can, but you got to consult your local, you know, uh, voting authority and find out how you do that because it's different in every. I state. find that that amazing. Yeah, you know, for somebody who had voted <clears throat> early for Biden. And then they see the the news for them to say, that's enough for me to change my ballot. I, uh, that that uh, that doesn't bode well, I think, for Joe Biden, if this news would have gotten out, which is why the press didn't do anything. Um, I want to I want to play something uh, that I find really telling. Uh, let's play from Kamala Harris, uh, the two cuts. Let's, here's cut one of Kamala Harris on 60 Minutes. You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I somebody said that, I, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate <laughs> stage. But yeah, well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for All. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Joe Biden doesn't support those things. So, are you going to? bring the policies, those progressive policies that you supported as senator into a Biden administration? Good question. What mm-hmm. I will do, and I promise you this, and this mm-hmm. is what Joe mm-hmm. wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him <laughs> my lived experience mm-hmm. as it I relates to will. any issue mm-hmm. that we confront. Mm-hmm. And I promised Joe that I will <laughs> give him that perspective and always be honest with him. Huh. Okay, stop. And is that- so she is. So she Great. is. I'm going to bring my lived experience. But here's the problem. Uh, you're the most liberal. <laughs> oh, my. My. Why is she laughing? Every time she is asked mm-hmm. a tough question, she laughs. Yeah. Listen to the next one. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of, of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America yeah. uh-huh. who was mm-hmm. also a 
prosecutor oh. who also has a mother who arrived here at mother. the age of 19 In- from India. Hardly anybody has also, that. Also, you know, oh, likes hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> well, I want to give you. I want to give you the opportunity to. I mean, it's uns- it's a, seriously. It's unstop. Now- it's unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's unsettling. She's going to be. Make no mistake. She's going to be the president of the United States if Biden if, wins. If Biden wins, she will be the president. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Biden's not going to be the president for a while, but he's not going to last for four years. We all know that. We all know that. This is the next president of the United States. And, you know, I'm really glad because when I said the president was a socialist, uh, I was called a racist. I'm glad to see now it's not racist. It's Mm. funny to be called a socialist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Golly, no. I can't answer that, so I'm just going to laugh hysterically. Yeah. <laughs> Socialist. <laughs> well, everything you believe in is right from Marx. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you answer the oh, question? I mean, <laughs> why did you? I mean, you're belittling the honest question here. That, and there wasn't an additional set thing said to joke or anything. Right. He just started laughing hysterically so in the middle just- of silence. <laughs> So some would say that uh, you got in, cut a deal with Biden, that you would actually be the president. At some point, he would just step aside. (laughs) Right. So you're, are you at least a progressive? (laughs) I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I think maybe we should pay attention uh, to that just a little bit. By the way, the, the media has excused uh, Joe Biden's apparent Bush Trump mix up. Did you hear about this? Yeah. I think he's talking about George Lopez. Yeah. No, I want to, I want to, I just want to play this from Mm -hmm. yesterday. If we still have it, could we play when Joe Biden uh, starts talking about, we're going to have another four years of, uh, of uh, Bush, uh, uh, George, uh, George, uh, listen, this is the most consequent, not because I'm running, but because who I'm running against, this is the most consequential election uh, in, a, in a long, long, long time. And the character of the country, in my view, is literally on the ballot. What kind of country we're going to be? Four more years of George, uh, mm-hmm. George, uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. Four more years of Georgia. Uh, George uh, G- George Lopez. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's what he's thinking. This is not being said by a nobody. This is the Washington Post. My God, the Washington Post is saying George Lopez makes more sense uh, than uh, you know than George W. Bush does. Well, yes, yes, that's that's true. Uh, but so does George the Curious Monkey. I mean, <laughs> that's read every night, and we're going to have another four years of George the Curious Monkey. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. Not at all. 
Uh, he was talking about George Clooney. He really likes George Clooney. And he was thinking about another four years of Clooney movies. <laughs> what a ridiculous explanation for that. I have four years of George Jetson walking the dog <laughs> on that automatic treadmill. <laughs> Holy cow. The press is just doing everything they can. Everything they can. <laughs> <laughs> Kamala, that's uh, there wasn't anything. <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Selena Zito is uh, with us. She's the national political reporter for the Washington Examiner, a columnist for the evil New York Post and the co-author of The Great Revolt. Hi, Selena. How are you? Good morning, Sunshine. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm really good. I'm really good. How are you feeling about what the New York Post has uh, done with that Hunter Biden and those lies? You know, I I'm I applaud, you know, our job as journalists is not to take a team over the finish line, but to come uncover the uncomfortable facts. And that is what the New York Post has done. And I think that it is incredibly telling that our cultural curators, all of them, uh, this time it is uh, social media, big tech, are punishing them for for doing essentially doing uh, doing their job. And I, I think that when you meddle in things like that and you silence things like that, that you um, are doing not only a disservice to your uh, consumers or your audience or whatever, um, but you are also um, stifling the ability for people to um, read about it. But, you know, people find ways to read about it. Because yeah, I think they've made this story even bigger. Right. Um, Selena, right. let me let me talk to you now about Pennsylvania, a, a state you know very well. You've been traveling back and forth. You've been talking to people. Um, there's a couple of things that we need to address. First of all, the riots in Philadelphia yesterday. Uh, cause when police shot a black man who was not unarmed is coming at them with a knife. It was all on on tape. Um, is this going to help or hurt in the election? Well, I think that um, the, the the challenge for Democrats um, in this instance is that uh, the black vote has has little um, uh, trust in either party to um, to uh, have their back. And they're going to, I don't think that they're necessarily going to say this is Donald Trump's fault because it happened in Philadelphia and it, happened, it happened in the city of Philadelphia. And the people that have um, sort of the, the control of the city of Philadelphia are Democrats. Yeah. And, and Wildly so corrupt I city. Much much more local than national. I think but what I'm what I'm asking you about is the let's say the suburban voters and the voters that look at Philadelphia and see riots on the streets. Um, is this going to uh, be good for Democrats or bad for Democrats? Well, so here's what I think. I think um, suburban Democrats or suburban Republicans who could find no reason to come to to, to vote for Trump are, are going to do one of two things. They're going to fo- vote for Biden 
because they think this what happened is an extension of Donald Trump. I don't know why. Um, uh, but also, I think it gives uh, reluctant Trump voters who are afraid of, of Biden's policies, but are, um, you know, face the peer pressure of living in the suburbs. They're going to people tend to vote not for themselves, but for their communities. And a lot of people don't vote ideology. They vote for the person who has their communities back. I think in that way, the Trump benefits. They either vote for him or they don't show up. So let's talk about Washington County, because you have a examiner article where Trump's 2020 coalition must come from in Pennsylvania. Talk to me about Washington County. This is the largest producer of natural gas among all of the counties and the second largest producer nationwide. Yeah, so Washington County to me is sort of the boilerplate of what needs to happen in counties outside of Allegheny, where Pittsburgh is located, and outside of the Philadelphia Collar counties. Now, in 2016, they came out at about 2,000, there, there were 10 of them who were not convinced that Mitt Romney was a good businessman, who were convinced he was the guy who was going to actually come to their desk with a box rather than build a new company. And they, they saw in Trump that he would be the guy that restarted things. And so they, they, they took a gamble and they voted for him. If there were 10 counties that just needed to turn out 2,000 more votes over what Romney did, and uh, they did. Now up to, and, and he won. Donald Trump won because of counties like Washington County, who have been dominant Democrat registered parties for years, forever, since like the 1930s. Wow. Since FDR and the New Deal coalition came in. Now, you, Trump needs not only those 10 counties, which is also Erie, Luzerne, Westmoreland, Butler, and Beaver, but they need the additional counties that run across the top of the state who are conservative counties, but they were un, they didn't show up in the high number for Trump, mainly because these are farmers and, and gas workers who thought that Trump in 2016 sounded more like a liberal New York Democrat than a conservative. Mm-hmm. Now he has delivered, and all, all Trump needs is about 50,000 votes total out of all eight of these what I call heat counties. And no matter what happens in Philadelphia or, or in Allegheny County, that vote will um, exceed the vote that the Democrats have. Not by much. It's going to be close. But if Trump wins, it's on the back of those voters plus the voters who put him in office in, in 2020. So those are the counties I'm watching election night. If they have a high turnout, uh, or it, that is telling me that he is on the road to victory. So what do you, what does your gut tell you? Cause he, he not only needs at least what he got last time, he needs an additional 3% of the vote to, yeah. to offset the numbers that have, have, uh, have changed since 2016. Um, and I think, I think if the president wins 5%, that's enough to offset any of the shenanigans or anything else. Does he have a, do you, you, are you seeing signs that that's happening? Oh gosh, in 2016, I thought the signs were over the top 
you know, I saw houses with Trump on the side, painted on the side. I saw barns. I even saw a horse uh, with Trump painted on the side. Um, this time, people don't have one sign. They have nine. They also have two flags and a four by eight in their front porch, awkwardly covering the front window. <laughs> um, the enthusiasm is there. And I want to be clear, he doesn't need three. Trump doesn't need three percent more of all in, uh, throughout the state, just in those rural counties. So that's about two to three thousand more votes. In, in some of these more rural counties. And I, you know, people go to SelenaZito.com, I lay it out uh, completely, like every county to watch. I wouldn't watch Philadelphia. First of all, I don't even think they'll have their, um, their numbers in until at least Friday. Um, but I would see what was the enthusiasm in the rural counties, which we are going to be able to see uh, uh, probably faster than Philadelphia and, and the collar counties. Selena, I don't know what you're doing and who you're with, but I'd love to have you on uh, our coverage uh, for the uh, for the election. If you would wouldn't mind dropping Absolutely. in and, and uh, telling us all about uh, Pennsylvania and what you're seeing on um, on Election Day. Uh, are, are, uh, I, I would absolutely love to. All right, Selena, thank you so much. She's the national political reporter for the Washington Examiner, columnist of the New York Post. Uh, she does dispatches from Ohio and Pennsylvania. By the way, do you have any information on Ohio, Selena? Oh, yeah. I wrote also, go to selenazito.com. It's about the third story down. I say if, if Ohio is about three to four percentage for Trump on election, go the polls going into election day, uh, uh, the, the democratic wave that people in D.C. and New York have been writing about and was honestly very possible. That means it's gone. And, and that means that Trump um, at least is standing a better chance in Pennsylvania and Michigan and North Carolina um, states um, that are a little more democratic than Ohio. But if Ohio's coming in at like a three to four to five percent win for Trump, um, all things are even going into election night. What did he win last time in Ohio? I think it was eight percentage points. Um, I, I, I actually think that it's going to be maybe 6% in Ohio. Um, and I did a good layout of Ohio as well um, a couple days ago um, for the examiner. If y'all just go to my website. And check it out. Selena um, Zito, uh, Selena Zito, yeah. Z-I-T-O dot com. Selena, the um, uh, the polls are showing the exact opposite. Are you meeting very many people that voted for Trump last time and are not voting this time for him? I've never met that person. You've never met that person. I've ha- never met that person. Uh, it doesn't mean they don't exist. I'm sure there is. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. There's there's all kinds of social pressure with in particular with the suburbs. But what I tend to meet are people that I mean, there there is a story I have uh, of of a line of people um, in Cambria County, home of Jack Murtha. You remember Jack Murtha? Yeah. Um, Glenn, um, this 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 county has always been Democrat registered uh, county line of people who voted for Clinton and were changing their party registration to Republican. That is now a Republican county. It blows wow. my mind that Cambria County, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, um, is now a Republican county. Hmm. Selena, thank you so much. God bless. Uh, she is uh, 
she's an amazing reporter, and she is the one that said right after the election, the problem is, is that uh, the media took his words literally and didn't take him seriously, where the voters took him seriously but didn't take his words literally. Uh, I thought that was a great understanding of Donald Trump right after the election. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Jason Whitlock, the host of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. He's a sports writer. Uh, he uh, can be found at outkick.com now. And uh, Jason joins me now. Uh, I, Jason, welcome to the program. I want to start with uh, something you just wrote for mm-hmm. Outkick. Uh, President Trump's Dragon Energy entices Ice Cube, uh, Kanye West, 50 Cent, and other black men. Twelve years ago, when I trashed Sarah Palin in a Huffington Post column and across social media on a daily basis, no one cared. No one told me to stick to sports. Although a non-voter, my preference for Barack Obama and Joe Biden was quite clear. I'm still a non-voter, but my preference for Donald Trump and Mike Pence now is quite clear. My critics passionately want me to stick to sports. My presidential preference is now offensive. I've sold out. I've changed. I'm a hypocrite. This Wednesday, I visited the White House to interview President Trump. I wanted to probe him on why black voters, particularly black men, seem to be breaking from the facade that he is the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. What's happening, Jason? What's what's happening in the black community? Well, I, I really believe the facts are starting to speak for themselves and that Donald Trump's record of accomplishment, particularly as it relates to African-Americans, speaks for itself, that uh, he actually has a record to stand on, uh, unlike even uh, Barack Obama. When when he was president, I, I don't think he had much of a record to stand on in terms of, hey, what did he actually deliver uh, for African Americans? President Trump has things he stands he can stand on, and you know be, beyond that, I, I think black people are, understand when he starts talking about black unemployment rate and America's unemployment rate, and and then. When you just add in for black men, the facade we've been putting on as it relates to President Trump is 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 embarrassing, to be quite honest with you, uh, just because we have celebrated him in hip-hop music. Yeah. Uh, we have... Uh, we have been friends with him and socialized with him in every way possible, uh, from Oprah Winfrey to Jesse Jackson to just any number of African-American celebrities. And, you know, this whole thing that he's, you know, some flaming racist, it just doesn't ring true, and people are having to deal with that reality. And uh, I, I think... For black men, it's just his mask, his masculinity, mm. his fearlessness. It just resonates and rings true to us. You know, I, I Jason, I got a lot of heat for saying, uh, I don't know, about six or maybe, maybe as long as a year ago, um, I said that Donald Trump is the alpha male. 
and that he is one of the only examples in in public life outside of sports perhaps that is an alpha that doesn't mind saying yeah i'm a man i'm all man and you may not like the way he manifests that in some ways but he's not ashamed of it and we're living in a culture where we are told to be women men are told to be women or damn near and he's not he's not and i think that plays a role in the psyche of a lot of men i think without question uh you know we've been on this tangent that like everything masculine is evil right it's toxic and that's just not true and i i think for men and a segment of the female population i think a pretty large segment we just don't buy that we, we understand that American freedoms were won through masculinity. And there is a way to be responsibly masculine. Yes. And there's a way to be irresponsibly masculine. We need to get rid of the irresponsible, but to paint all masculinity as toxic and evil and a detriment to the country is just wrong. And I, I just, people aren't buying into it. And it's, look, I think the Black Lives Matter rioting, looting, disrespect, when you have any sort, just 10% Christian values, 5%, it just, it, it, Black Lives Matters and all what we've seen all summer, it just doesn't jibe with any kind of Christian values or faith-based values. American and, values. American values, <laughs> it's, but, but let's say you want to have some anti-American sentiment, because listen, I love my mother, mm -hmm. she's a hardcore Democrat, you know, hard, she tossed me over a bridge for Barack Obama, <laughs> but I'm constantly questioning her, like, hey, how do these policies coincide with our religious faith? This is what's been at the foundation of our family. This is why you took me to church every Sunday as a kid. This is why I was baptized. These things that you're supporting politically, it's so crystal clear now. They don't coincide with our religious what faith. Is she, what does she say? <sighs> it, <laughs> she doesn't have a great answer. She just gets frustrated, and she thinks that she's been convinced that racism is the sin above all sins. And and I'm not trying to diminish racism, but it is just a sin. It and and when I say just a sin, it's it's no greater worse uh than any other sin and sin and it's like I explained it, I was like, look, you understand the biblical teaching sin entered the world, unfairness entered the world and if someone gets angry and says the wrong word. That does not mean they're not human. That just means they're a sinner like you. I've heard you say the wrong word. I've, but does that really drive your actions on a daily basis? And so we've made racism the how you judge people. And uh, and we and the media can define almost anything as racist. So you know, anything can be a dog whistle. So but how do you um, have you said to your mom what you said last week uh, about Antifa being, you know, the modern oh, day clan? Of course. Yeah. But, but uh, people live in their own little bubbles 
And again, when you live in a bubble uh, framed for you by MSNBC and CNN, yeah, <laughs> you know, she doesn't Antifa. You know, I, maybe I heard something about it. Joe Biden said it was an idea. She hasn't seen. She doesn't know what's going on in Portland and Seattle every day. She doesn't know that there are paid, organized protesters looting and burning down these cities. Yeah, she doesn't know because her that doesn't get into her bubble. And you know, she, listen. What what I've explained to her, and I've spoken at the church I grew up in, and I've explained to them because I, I still financially support the church I grew up in. But I'm like. We can't let politics become our religion. Amen. We can't, we can't, and I've asked my mother all the time, and I finally got her to quit, but I was like, you can't talk about Trump and Obama more than you talk about God. Mm. That, that, that's, that's not, we can't be that. And some of it is starting to get through, and it's funny, Glenn, President Trump gave me a present to give to my mother. <laughs> and... Uh, I told my mother this when I came back from, I said, he gave you a key to the White House. It's very nice. I'm going to send it to you. And she thought I was joking. And and I was like, no, my mom's serious. And, and so literally her reaction was like, she didn't think President Trump was capable of an act of kindness. That's how much TV, and my mom's 80. And so, you know, she's at yeah. home. She's like a lot of old people watching a lot of TV. And it kind of shook her up a little bit, like, oh, my God, this guy is a human being. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, but, Jason, it's weird because you get, I get that reaction. I get that reaction from people who meet me. I mean, I had a guy that was so – that hated me so much that came into a meeting with me. His hands were shaking. He called me the devil when we yeah. first sat down. 45 minutes into it, he said – Wow. Uh, I mean, you are nice. You're a nice guy. And he felt bad. He told everybody after I left the meeting how badly he felt about saying those things. People just don't believe that conservatives, for one, and in some ways, you know, Democrats are decent people. We just make them into these monsters. If you're on that side, you're a monster. That is the power of social media. And I keep explaining to people, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, they're some of the most secular places on earth. And we've reduced everyone to a tweet that we disagree with. Yes. And we used to not be that way. We used to, <laughs> I, I find it like James Carville's wife, I, I, they were on different sides of the political aisle. I know. And it's like we've illegalized all of that. I know. And we used to live in a time where people could disagree politically, still see the humanity each other, still love each other enough to get married. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, if we disagree politically, you're the worst human being on the world. That is how much social media and the mainstream media have divided us. We've defined each other on different sides of the political stripe as evil. And take someone like me, Glenn, I'm not political. I've never voted. It drives my parents crazy. Well, it drives uh, me crazy, too. I, I, I'd like to, I wanted to ask you that. Why have you never voted? Because I don't believe in politicians. I am a person of my word. And so if I say, hey, I'm going to do something, I'm really going to do it. And I'm going to hold you to that expectation. Politicians don't stick to their word. 
And this is why, and it's taken me time to realize, it's taken me three and a half years to realize it. Like, the reason why I kind of halfway like Trump, he's not a politician. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, the stuff that he actually said he was going to do, he's actually tried to do it and has done a lot of it. That has made me, I've waited too late to register to vote here in Tennessee. If I hadn't, I think I'm to the point I would have vote. I would have voted this election. Because I actually believe the guy. He, you know, whether I agree or disagree, it's like, oh, man, the stuff he says, Jason, he's going to do. I have to tell you, he called me, oh, I don't know, a year ago when uh, I first started saying, maybe a year and a half ago, when I first started saying I was wrong about him. And I was wrong about him because I didn't think he'd keep any of his promises because he was a, you know, he's a businessman in New York and there's no way he's going to keep his promises. Um, And I started saying on the air, he kept his promises and I think he's actually doing a good job. Um, And he called me and uh, and he, you know, thanked me for that. And I said, no, you don't have to thank me. It's my responsibility as a as a. Uh, as a decent human being to call, you know, call him as I see him. And I didn't I didn't like you at the beginning and I didn't think that you were going to do anything, but but you did. And so I've got to admit that. And I said, but I doesn't mean I like everything. I said, your your trade policy. He talked to me for probably 25 or 30 minutes about trade policy. He asked me really intelligent questions. He uh, went back and forth with me. And in the end, he said, yeah, I still I I just like trade policies, so I'm still going to do them. He didn't say to my face what every other politician has ever said. Well, you know what? I'm going to look. I'm going to think about that. He didn't. <laughs> he just said, but I don't agree with you. And I loved that. I love that. Yeah, I I think if he would get off Twitter and if I'm hoping if he, when he if he gets a second term that because he's made his point about the media. And so, and I agree with him about the media being the enemy of the people and fake news. I agree with it. I'd just like to see him be a bit more kinder and gentler in his second term where it will just be easier for people to focus on what he's actually done. Yeah. And what he's actually done, particularly for me as an African-American, the support of HBCUs, the opportunity yeah. zones, yeah. Uh, his platinum plan, there's a sincere commitment to make things better for everyone. And again, the America first thing, as I told him in our interview, that's the number one thing for me. And my parent, my mother was a factory worker. My dad was, was a, didn't graduate high school factory worker who then started a bar business in the inner city for factory workers. We got to do something about getting manufacturing jobs back here in the United States so that people like my parents can uplift their children despite them not having college educations or some kind of white-collar job. Me and my brother, and I got a stepsister I'm very close to, all of us college graduates, all of us doing well in life off the backs of factory workers and manufacturing jobs. I love the America First agenda. I beg my mother, watch the inauguration speech. 
It's one of the greatest speeches yeah. I've ever heard, and he's speaking directly to you. Jason, I, I, I have to run, but I thank you very much uh, for standing uh, for what you believe in, whether we agree or disagree. Um, Fearless with uh, Jason Whitlock is exactly the right name uh, for anything that you do. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Bye-bye. Jason Whitlock, uh, sportswriter, outkick.com is where you can find him. Na, na, na.